The Word of God comes to us through Psalm 67 this morning, a psalm that speaks to our calling as the people of God, our calling to be blessed in order to be a blessing. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The grass withers, the flower fades, but know not the word of the Lord. It stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. A few years ago, there was an article that captured 10 years of study from a New York research firm. And they studied 100 children that grew up in affluent households. These children had complete financial security excessive freedom to learn and explore, provision of a wide range of opportunities for recreation. And one of the common denominators after this study and research, it was found that years later, it resulted in apathy, laziness, inability to commit to goals, low self-confidence, insecurity, and rampant entitlement. What happens when we pile upon our kids artificial toxic self-affirmation and never teach them to sacrificially serve a cause infinitely more valuable than their own happiness? They rot and they perish, but so goes it with the people of God. If we think that God has somehow blessed us in order for that blessing to keep be kept to ourselves. We rot if we think that God has showered us with his favor for that favor to be kept hidden. We rot and we perish. No, the people of God have been blessed to be a blessing. The people of God have received the favor of God, not for the favor and the blessing to be kept to themselves, not for the people of God to remain silent, but so that blessing and that favor would turn us around as we leave this place on Sunday and go be a blessing, as the passage said to the nations. We are blessed to be a blessing. God never calls us in without sending us out. That is the mission and the calling of the people of God. Blessed to be a blessing. Let's study it together in Psalm 67. The first thing I want to point out regarding our calling as the people of God is the scope of this calling. What exactly is Psalm 67 calling the people of God to do in light of the blessing that they've received from God? In verse 2, It says, we are to make this God known. Now, this is profound. 
because in the ancient world, the surrounding nations and kingdoms believed in pagan gods that were unknown. It was never, God was never meant to be known. The pagan gods of the surrounding cultures, nations, and kingdoms believed in an unknown God. And so the psalm is saying the God that we worship, Yahweh that has blessed us, contrary to public opinion, is a God that is to be known. We can know this God. The God that has blessed us and showered us with his favor is to be known, not just to your neighbor, but to be known throughout the ends of the earth. The God that has saved us and rescued us is to be known throughout the entire earth. But what precisely is to be known about this God? What is to be known about Yahweh is the truth concerning his salvation. The second part of verse two says your saving power It is to be made known that there is only one true God, that only through this God, Yahweh, can you experience salvation, that the truth of God, the truth of his salvation, that man can only be reconciled through the saving power of Yahweh, that message is to be declared to the ends of the earth. This is the good news, the truth of God's salvation. What we see here in verse two is a call to evangelism. And it's a call to evangelism that goes beyond the physical people of God here in the Old Testament. It is foreshadowing the gospel's call to reach the Gentile nations. Let it be known to all of the nations throughout all of the earth, God's saving power, contrary to what is taught in many churches that God's way of salvation is compartmentalized into two parts, that he saved one group of people in the Old Testament through one way, and he saved another group of people, the Gentiles, through other means. No, it has always been the mission of God to eventually take his good news, the gospel of the kingdom, from Israel to the Gentile nations. It's foreshadowing the Great Commission when Jesus would eventually say, go and take the gospel to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, it is being foreshadowed here in Psalm 67. Go take the good news of Yahweh and his salvation to the world. But how does this message reconcile with the message of our society? Society tells us you can be a Christian, but keep it to yourself. You can believe in whatever you want to believe, but keep your faith private. This passage flies in the face of a society that tells anybody to keep their faith, particularly their faith in Yahweh and the saving knowledge of God, silent and private. It's asking us to do something that's impossible. If God has saved us, and truly this is the only way that an individual can be saved, how in the world could we ever stay silent? How in the world could we ever keep quiet? Psalm 67 is is saying, keep quiet, stay silent, declare it to the nations. I mean, think about it this way. Imagine your spouse is working all day at home, outside tending the garden, 
manicuring the garden and mulching and planting flowers. And you come home and your spouse says, look at the amazing garden. Look look at the flowers that I planted. Could you imagine saying to your spouse, keep your flower-loving life to yourself? No. Might have an imprint of a potted plant in your forehead. No. It's impossible to take something we love, to take something we cherish, to take the gospel that has radically transformed our lives. It is absolutely impossible to stay silent. And Psalm 67 is the scope of the calling of the people of God as you have been blessed. You have received the favor of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you are to not remain silent, but you are to take your faith and make it a public faith so that the nations would be made glad. We bless the world through telling them that there is only one name under heaven and under earth in which man can be saved. There is only one true God, and you cannot find life anywhere else except through Jesus Christ. This is our mission and the way that we bless the nations. Second thing, we not only see the scope of our calling, blessed to be a blessing, but we see the second thing is the confidence in this calling. What guarantee do we have as we go out and we advance and declare and demonstrate the saving power and knowledge of God to the nations. What confidence do we have in this calling? Well, there's a few things we see in this passage. But one thing in particular, we have the confidence in verse 4 that justice and equity is coming. The world is broken. The world is messed up. And for thousands of years, humanity has been trying to figure out a way to make it right again. And verse 4 tells us, let the nations be glad. Why? For you judge the people with equity and you guide the nations upon earth. God, you are the sovereign God who rules the nations and you rule it in such a way that justice and equity is made known and made a reality. We go about our calling as the people of God because we have the only message and the only God that can actually make this world right again. Now that word justice is a controversial word, unfortunately. And the reason the idea of justice, even when we see it written in scripture, is controversial is because our progressive culture has hijacked the word justice. And now we no longer only operate with an understanding of biblical justice, but it conflicts with the secular culture's understanding of what they call social justice. So what is the difference between social justice that our secular culture promotes and the justice that is promised here in the word of God? Well, there's a few ways in which you can distinguish it. One is we distinguish the two ideas of justice according to the standard of justice. Biblical justice, as it's defined here and throughout the Bible, is defined by upholding the standard of righteousness. I have my good friend Dr. Rita Cephalu to thank me for that definition. But it is upholding the standard of God's absolute and objective righteousness, the law of God. You can never separate biblical justice 
from God's righteousness. Critical social justice is subjective human opinion. So it really is in the eye of any subjective human being, and it becomes relative justice. So what happens in a culture when we neglect and reject true biblical justice, upholding God's standard of righteousness, his objective absolute truth, and we embrace a critical secular social justice, is you divide the culture. You divide the culture and society between the oppressed and the oppressor. You are animated by a spirit of deconstruction where you are deconstructing and dismantling the power systems of this world and arbitrarily redistributing power to whoever in culture is deemed the minority or the less advantaged. But make no mistake, the cries of justice and the call for justice in our secular culture leads more to the confusion and the chaos of our world because it leads to more division and more brokenness. And it is only when the people of God redeem and recapture the idea of biblical justice and advance the idea of God's righteous standard for the world that the nations are actually blessed. So critical social justice leads to abortion on demand in the name of reproductive justice. Socialism is advanced in the name of economic justice. And you can take every modern cultural ideology and just slap the title justice next to it. And it leads to more chaos and more brokenness in our world and throughout the nations. It is the people of God going about our calling with confidence, knowing it is the word of God and the standard of God's absolute objective righteousness being advanced and declared to the nations alone will put, make this world right, bringing God's message of righteousness to bear throughout the ends of the earth. As Christians, do we want justice? You bet you. But not as the world defines our cry for justice is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, period. That is our confidence in our calling for justice and equity. We have the scope of our calling. We have the confidence in our calling that God's word and his righteousness alone is making the world right again. But third and lastly, what is the motivation for this calling? What is the motivation to transform individuals like you and me to not withhold the blessing from others, but to receive the blessing and then be turned around in order to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to the nations? Well, the motivation comes in verse one. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. The blessing that human beings long for is not earned and it is not deserved, but it was a cry to God to be gracious. God, in light of your grace and in light of your mercy, would you bless us and shower us with your favor and your approval? It is understanding that we have lost the face of God because of our sin 
And without the sovereign grace and mercy of God, we don't stand a chance. We have not been blessed because of the family we've been born into or because of our last name or we've done more good than bad. We have received the blessing of God solely because of the grace and the mercy of God. When was the blessing pronounced in the Old Testament? The same time we pronounce it at the end of our service. The reason the blessing of God is always pronounced, whether it's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, at the end of their worship is in the Old Testament, they recognize something had to happen first. Sacrifice. They would bring the sacrifice into the tabernacle and eventually the temple And it was God's grace working through the sacrifice where the wrath and the curse of God fell upon the sacrifice and in return by faith alone, we as the people of God receive his gracious favor and his gracious blessing. It is at the end of our worship service, after we are reminded of Christ and him crucified, after we partake of the elements of bread and cup, and we are reminded yet again of his gracious favor upon us, then we're reminded. It's only in light of his grace that we receive his favor and his mercy. It would be hundreds of years after this psalm is written that glory would come down in the person and work of Jesus Christ and on the cross, the curse of God fell on him, the perfect lamb of God, in exchange for us, by faith alone, receiving forever the favor and the blessing of almighty God. What would ever compel you and me to not withhold this blessing from the nations? Understanding that on the cross, Christ had you in mind. What would ever turn this mission into our joy is to know that first and foremost, Jesus considered you a joy. For the joy set apart, set before him, he died on the cross for you and for me. He becomes your joy because first you became his joy. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know this Savior? You will find no salvation outside of and apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ and him alone. I want to leave you with two life takeaways this morning, two points of application. The first life takeaway is this. I want you this week to honestly evaluate last week's activities. And I want you to be honest and ask yourselves, is there evidence or was there evidence in my life that I've been blessed to be a blessing? Can I point tangibly to things in my life that speak to me being a blessing instead of a taker? At the end of the day, you will either be a taker from family and friends and colleagues, or you will be a blessing are the tangible evidences of, of in my life that I am blessed to be a blessing. Second life takeaway is this. If you have been blessed, if you have received graciously the favor of God, how are you using your life to declare to the nations of God's saving grace 
and power. How are you using your life to tell everyone about the saving power of Jesus Christ? If you have been blessed by the gospel, how in the world could you ever remain silent? I recently heard of a valedictorian graduating from high school and he challenged his class, it was a Christian school, and he said, what if we saw the next four years as a four-year mission trip? A four-year mission trip where we would go onto our college campuses and not think about how many parties we can go to or how many girls we can date or guys we can date, but what if we saw our next four years as a four-year mission trip? And I wanna ask you this morning, what if we walked out of those doors this morning and saw it as a mission strip. I have been blessed, not to keep that blessing to myself, not to remain silent, but I have been blessed to go out there to be a blessing because I'm on mission for the kingdom and the glory of God. In the 1950s, a young naval aviator had been drinking all night in the local bars of Panama City, and on his way home, he fell asleep at the wheel The car veered off the road and landed and ended up in the woods. The car dodged miraculously three trees, but right before it was about to hit a tree dead on, the young naval aviator woke up. And when he woke up, on the tree was written these words, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And he did just that. He believed, and he was saved. That young man was Pastor Frank Barker, founding pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. Now, Frank Barker could have easily said, I've been blessed, I've been saved, and now I'm just going to coast through life. But he didn't. He said, God, you have saved me for a reason You have saved me for a purpose. You have saved me and blessed me in order to be a blessing to the nations. And he did just that. Briarwood Presbyterian Church went on to be a church that is reaching 5,000 people a week. He's a founding father of our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. And he launched a college ministry called Campus Outreach that has reached hundreds of thousands of young people with a life-saving message of the gospel all around the world because he refused to keep the blessing to himself. You've saved me so that others might be saved. You've blessed me to be a blessing. If you have experienced the blessing and the favor of God, we, the people of God, are the agents of benediction Agents of benediction, taking the blessing of the king and serving as the king's people, taking the king's blessing to a lost and dying world. That, my friends, is why you are here on earth. And therefore, I have no better word for you this morning than this. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. May we pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, in this moment, in the quietness of our hearts, if there is anyone here this morning or anybody watching at home that does not know 
that there is only one name in heaven and on earth by which they can be saved. May they look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who made the invisible God visible, glory manifested so that we once again can be in the presence of God, not according to our righteousness or our goodness, but because of the righteousness and goodness of Jesus Christ alone. You give us favor. You give us your face. Not because we earn it. Not because we deserve it. But according to your unmerited grace and favor. Help us to understand and embrace our calling this week that we truly do have a story to tell to the nations, that the nations will only be glad, the nations will only sing for joy when they recognize that God, you alone govern, that you alone are king, and that you rule and you govern and guide with justice and equity according not to the standards of this world, but you rule and you guide and you govern according to your righteousness, the only thing that has the power to make the crooked straight, to bring light into the darkness and bring healing and hope to a lost and dying world. Bless us in order to be a blessings and may the nations be glad and sing for joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.